bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. All right, guys, we are in chapter 6 in the book of Galatians, if you would turn there, please. Now, please know and understand, I'm going to do a little bit of a recap here, but uh, the church in Galatia was um, having some trouble, and you might know, but you might not know, that Paul was constantly bombarded by this group of Judaizers who were so caught up in the old things that when Paul came around preaching grace and preaching mercy, they, did, they, just couldn't, they just couldn't bite into that. They had been so used to jumping through the hoops and trying to be religious, which if you go back into the Old Testament, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They, they failed so many, many times trying to obey all of those hoops and all those laws. So when Paul comes along teaching what Jesus taught about it's by grace that you're saved through faith and that's a gift of God, they just had a hard time with that. And I, I know that some folks have a hard time with that now because if we teach about grace, people say, well, People are going to turn it into cheap grace. Grace is not cheap in any way, folks. It costs Jesus his life. But it's not about the hoops. And you're going to see throughout the New Testament that, and even the old, that it's an issue of our heart. It's not an issue of jumping through hoops. The hoops don't make you, it makes you religious. But it doesn't necessarily make you holy. You do it because you have to, but not because you're in love with the Lord. That's the secret. When he says you must be born again, that's the secret. If you get that and you understand that it's an issue of love, then it's not tedious. The things that you love get your attention, right? If you're into automobiles, you spend time around automobiles. If you're into woodworking or crafts, they, you spend time around that. You love that. It's something that you do because you love it. And that's the point of the gospel. Jesus wants to, us to love him. And to have what we do be an outflowing of what he has already done for us by giving us his grace and mercy through the cross and our salvation through Jesus Christ. So these guys are following him around all the time. And the one that they're stuck on is uh, circumcision. It's like you, cannot, you, you, can't, you can't just tell these people <laughs> that they're going to get to go to heaven unless they obey these laws. They, they, this is one they've got to do. They have to do this. And Paul's basically saying, if you, if you do it, he's telling the guys that if you, if you do it out of compulsion, you've missed the point. Because you're doing it because they're compelling you. They're making you. They're making you feel bad that you're not doing it. And they're making you feel like you have to question whether you're really saved because you don't do that. Christians still do that to Christians. You're not really saved if you don't fill in the blank. But Paul's saying, Jesus paid all that. He took care of all of that. He fulfilled all of that. Now, does that relieve all human responsibility? No, it doesn't. But the motivation is what makes it sweet. 
If, if you do what you do because you feel like you have to for God to love you, you're missing the point. He loves you anyway. Most of you in Sunday school, you learned John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, on and on and on, right? So you know that he loves you. It's just that we don't love him back. When we finally find out and get that, that's called being born again. And we get a chance to start all over. But when we close chapter 5, he had a pretty wicked list of the things that people do when they do not live in the spirit of God. So turn to chapter 5, verse 18. I just go over this a little bit before we get rolling here. He says, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, 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 wow. I don't, did any of us get through that without feeling guilty? That's quite the list. You know why? Because by our nature we're sinful. We're not God-honoring by nature. That's why God gives us a, a new nature. That's why we become born again, because he puts within us the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to be able to put these things aside, leave these things alone. Now, he also gives us a list of what happens when you receive Jesus Christ. And these are the things that are most important. These are the things that we should be allowing God to do in our life. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. In Galatians 5, 22. He turns around now and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Are you a loving individual? Oh, you're a snarky individual. You know, and it, it's kind of funny because you have people sometimes say, well, this is just me. You got to love it or leave it. Well, I'll leave it. You know, life is too short to be snarky <laughs> or to be around people who are just snarky all the time. Love, it doesn't take a lot to, to show love to people, to be concerned for people, to care about another individual. Love, joy. How's your joy level? Well, you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. No, I don't. And some of you are going through really hard things. You're going through really tough things. And, and it's, it's hard. But joy and happiness are two different things. Because, see, when you have your confidence in Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on, even if you're entering to the end of your life, your joy can still be there. Your happiness <laughs> may not be so happy. You may not be so happy when you try to get out of bed in the morning and everything hurts and aches and things are failing and gravity's winning. You know, that's, that's not, they wake up real happy about that. But you still have joy in the Lord because you know that the end's not the end. You know that really that's just the beginning of our eternity. Love, joy, peace. Do you live at peace as much as possible? 
with whatever lies within you to live at peace with people? Or do you find that people are always out to get you? There's some folks that believe that everybody's always out to get them in some way or another. You know what? I, I, I'll try to be gentle, but it's probably you. Because the one thing that all those people have in common is you. So it may be the way that you're treating other people. Peace, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Long-suffering. That's kind of what you do with your kids for 18 or 19 years. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. <laughs> Long-suffering. They break your heart many times, don't they? They break your heart multiple times all throughout life, but you love them anyway. That's long-suffering. It sounds like it's going to be a really horrible thing. Well, it's not exactly fun, but it's the right thing to be long-suffering with folks. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on what you think might be impossible. Just don't give up. And then in verse 23, it says gentleness and self-control. Guys, it's okay to be gentle. Now you say that to the wrong guy, and he's going, yeah, you want to step outside? I'll show what gentle is. <laughs> it's okay to be a man. In fact, I don't think you and I really understand what it, it, it means to be a man until we give our life to Jesus Christ. And realize that humility is patience, but humility is power under control. True humility is power under control. You may have the power to take someone down, but common sense says, no, I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to do that. I took karate lessons right out of high school for a couple of years, and that was the one thing that was foremost. You would have some of these guys, they would get into their second, third, fourth belt, and they would go to bars and fight because they could. But that was not the philosophy of it. The philosophy of it was power under control. It's only used when your life is threatened or somebody else's life is threatened. So, gentleness. It's okay to be gentle. How about self-control? Always flying off the hook or self-control? Does it take much on the freeway before you start chasing somebody down and waving a gun? Or is it like, I can slow down a little bit. You know, they cut in front of me, I can slow down. I'm still going to get there probably at the same time that they do. I can, I can slow down. I'm not saying that that's easy. That can happen to any of, of us. You want to go smack them. <laughs> but it's, it's usually not profitable. And he's saying, against this, this fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. Why? Because you're not doing anything wrong. You're a nice guy. You're a decent human being. And he told us in verse 16 of chapter 5 that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill all those first ones that I mentioned. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? You can tell if someone's walking in the Spirit or not. You can tell by how they suffer. You can help, tell by how they act when maybe ridiculed or put down. You can tell when they don't get their way. 
You can see whether the gentleness of Christ is in that individual. You can tell if someone is not only full and filled with the Holy Spirit, but if they're letting the Holy Spirit run their life. And in Galatians 5, 24 and 26, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. That's what these guys are doing to Paul. They're jealous of Paul. They're putting him down. Some of them are even calling him not, not a real apostle. But Paul's power is in living in the Holy Spirit and being controlled by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Now I feel he's, he's pointing, not, not physically, but he's directing this towards those who think they're something and they're not. And as a result of that, they're actually hurting the church in Galatia. They're not helping it. They're actually hurting it. Okay, we're going to close the book of Galatians this morning in this final study of chapter 6. Father, may you give us a heart to hear what it is that you want to say. I've always been blessed by the story of the, the, the loaves and the fish. There weren't many there, but you kept dishing them out and everybody ate. Lord, there's only one message this morning, but it's your word. And I know you have the power to speak to each one of us individually with that one meal. So I pray, Father, that no matter where we're at this morning, no matter what our situation is, that we would just drop the facade, that we would let the wall down for a little bit here and realize we can change. If we will allow you, our life, You'll put it in the order it was meant to be when you created us. And life will make so much more sense. We won't feel like we're swimming upstream all the time. We'll feel like we finally fit and know what our purpose is. So, Father, I pray that you would do that work in us that we can't do ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1, chapter 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass... You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, that word that's translated as overtaken, it comes from, according to Thayer's dictionary, pro prolambano. And what it means is to take one by forestalling, before he can flee or conceal his crime. To, dis to surprise, to detect. So what this means is someone has done something that they shouldn't be doing that could be classified as a sin and it's overtaken them. It's not something that just happened once. It's not something that's just happened twice. But they are now under its power and it is beginning to um, take away their freedom to choose. It has overtaken them. Now, the word that's used here, it's in past tense, which means it's already happened. Right? It's not, it's not future. Hey, look out for this, because this could happen. Those are in there too. But this one is a brother who's already fallen prey to that. 
Now the word spiritual here, we know that uh, the Holy Spirit is where we get the word uh, dunamis. Uh, dunamis meaning dynamite, the power, the explosive power of God's Holy Spirit. Now the word that's used here means is filled and governed by the Spirit of God. It's one thing to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's quite another to let Him run our lives. And you go, well, how can you have one with the other? Well, we can quench the Holy Spirit, can't we? Have you ever been in a place where God says, go over and give this person a hug, or give this person five bucks, and you go, nope. Pray for the person that hurt you. I'm not praying for that. Forgive the person that hurt you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not forgiving that. Not until they, and usually that's that pound of flesh, and, and you won't forgive them until they've suffered as much as you think they've made you suffer. That's kind of a human, human thing that goes on with us. So then, the responsibility here falls upon that one who is the born-again Christian that is filled with the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit of God. It falls upon us to restore Restore that person in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of kindness. In fact, the only reason for dealing with anyone else's sin is to bring them back into the right relationship with Jesus. We've got no business in anybody else's sin unless that's our goal. If it's just to point it out, if it's just to make us feel better, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to actually want that brother or sister to get that relationship with Jesus Christ correct. Now, it's not an easy work. In fact, it's very difficult work because nobody likes being caught in their sin. But the church has a certain responsibility. Matthew 8 gives us the steps in that reconciliation. And basically it's this. You go to the person individually. You do your best to talk to them. If you have a relationship with them and they know that you love them, that goes a long way. In fact, I would almost go as far as saying if you don't know them and you don't have any love for them, maybe let someone else do that, that does know them and does love them. But you go to them first and you talk to them and say, man, uh, this, is, this is really messing your life up. And I'm there for you, I'll, I'll pray for you, I'll stand with you, I'll do whatever I can to help you because I do care about you. If they don't listen at that point in time, then what? You take a brother or sister with you, you take a, a fellow Christian, but the requirements are filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. You want a mature Christian going with you. Not someone who just disagrees you with, uh, who agrees with you or doesn't like that person either. <laughs> Right? Because remember, the purpose is love and reconciliation. If they won't listen then, then you go to the pastors of the fellowship. You turn them over to the, to the fellowship. And then the fellowship, the church, tries to figure out the best way to be able to help that person. The best way to help that person is not, now let me say this, please listen closely. The best way to help that individual is to not bring them up front of the, in front of the church and tell them their sin. That's not the best way. But it's the final step. 
It is the absolute final step. Yes, it's in the Word, and yes, we are able to do that based on the authority that God has given the church. But that's not the best way to help them. That's, the, that's when they just won't listen to anyone and they have a choice of either getting right or being disfellowshipped, not, not going to that church at all. But what I found through the years is they just go to the church down the street or two miles away or five miles away doing the same thing. And it doesn't change. But the right way is to show love and compassion. We're not trying to hurt you. We're not trying to destroy you. We want to see you doing well in the Lord. What you're doing is hurting your family. It's hurting you. It's hurting the testimony of Jesus Christ that people know that you've said you were a Christian. So you do everything that you can possibly do with the purpose of restoration and reconciliation. This is what Paul's talking about. Look at verses 2 through 5. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. And you might be thinking, hey, I got enough burdens of my own. But have you ever had somebody just come over and help you with something? You know, you're working on something, it's, it's too difficult to do on your own. Somebody comes in and just lends a hand. In fact, there's some things you can't do on your own. You have to have another pair of hands. That's where I call my wife. Honey, would you come and give me, you know, would you give me a hand? Will you help me with this? Or me doing the same thing. <laughs> Excuse me. Yesterday, we had to change the filters in our, in our house. And uh, they needed to be done about a month ago, a month and a half ago. We get the ladder out. What started it was one of those uh, alarm, the smoke alarm things that's going beep. And it won't do it again for an hour and a half, right? And you think, oh, it's gone. Beep. And then you lay down at night and just beep, 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 beep. So that started with that, right? We're going to replace the battery because our dog's freaking out. She thinks the house has been inhabited by a ghost or something. She's freaking out. So, Becky, while I'm on the ladder, I'm going, okay, why don't you get me the, uh, the, the filters, and I'll, I'll put the one up that's right here by this. And about two seconds later, I hear a crash. She goes, help, help me. <laughs> Fortunately, it wasn't her. She didn't fall, but the filters fell down on, on her. They're, they're light, so they didn't hurt her at all. But there's some things that are better done with help. So this is what he's talking about. Bear one another's burdens. If you see a brother or sister that's going through something tough, don't just say, man, I'm glad it's not me. See if you can help. Maybe it's not money. That, even if they need money, maybe that's not the help you're supposed to give. Maybe it's just sympathy. Maybe it's just understanding. You know that sometimes when you're, when you're really hurting, just having somebody who understands... Somebody who gets it. That's where us guys really fail a lot because we want to fix it. We hate seeing a woman cry because there's nothing we can do. We're used to fixing things. When a woman cries, we don't know how to fix it. But they don't always want to be fixed. In fact, in, a lot of times, they don't want to be fixed. They just want you to understand what they're going through. 
They just want to have somebody to be able to talk to, to be able to share that with. But not picking on the ladies, I think that's true with all of us. Sometimes we just need somebody who understands, somebody who cares, somebody who will listen. So bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Man, pride and ego, gosh, it is, it is, it's an enormous thing. And it seems to get worse. You run across people who, they can't smile anymore. There's not even a smile. It's like, you're beneath me. Oh, you live on that side of town? Oh, you drive that kind of car? Oh, you have, wear those kind of clothes? You, you look at our society, right? You got to have certain kind of shoes. You got to have a certain kind of pants. You got to have a certain kind of whatever. And then you have your status. And now maybe I can hang out with you because you're starting to get to my classification of... It's kind of what he's talking about here. For someone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he's just deceived. But let each one examine his own work, not somebody else's. In other words, don't base your life on somebody else's work. You know, if you're going to base your life or compare yourself to anyone, compare it to Jesus. That'll humble you. That'll humble you. Let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone because of what God's done, and not in another person. For each one shall bear his own load or burden. Now you're going to think, man, this sounds like almost a saying two different things, doesn't it? What did Jesus say in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 39? The law of Christ is the law of love. The, the man went to him, he said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, listen to this closely. What is the greatest law? And he says, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. That trinity of the body, soul, heart, and mind. Do we? In all honesty, if we ask ourselves, we'll say, most of the time, or I, I try. I think that's being filled with the Spirit of God because we, we can't do this without Him. They found that, if you look at the entire Old Testament, that's what, I mean, over and over again, God would deliver and tell them, stay away from this. And they would say, no problem. And then they circle around and they're back in it again. And then they're begging for God to forgive them. God forgives them. He says, stay away from that stuff. Not a problem. That generation passes, a new one comes up over and over and over again. It wasn't until Jesus went to the cross, took upon himself the sins of man, that he set us free and gave us the Holy Spirit. So, 
heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second one is what? It's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. My neighbor, love my neighbor? You haven't seen this dude. <laughs> your neighbor's the person sitting next to you. It might be your husband, might be your wife, might be a boyfriend, might be a girlfriend. It might be someone you don't know at all. Do you take care of yourself as much as possible? Do you buy yourself clothes? Do you make sure that you're fed? You make sure you have a car that runs? Sometimes we can help other people in, in small ways. Sometimes we can help people in, in large ways. And you guys have heard me say before, when you're going through McDonald's, pay for the person behind you, unless it's full of 20 kids. <laughs> pay for the person behind you. You go to Circle K and there's somebody standing behind you, pay for their stuff. If, if they'll allow you, it'll freak them out, but it's a pretty cool thing to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't contradict. Those two verses do not contradict each other. In fact, in Scripture, there are several different kinds of burdens. There are 11 different words used in Scriptures that are simply translated as burden in English. But in this first one that Paul uses in verse 2, it's baros. And it means weight, load, or abundance. Have you ever just felt like, I can't do anymore? I just, I can't do anymore. Saturday, yesterday, in the afternoon, I was just done. You know, I was done. I was, I was tired. I'd been out in the garage doing some work. And I have a tendency to not drink as much water as I should in those settings. And you get dehydrated. And I was just done. I was ready to go in, sit on the couch, and do nothing. Sometimes you're at that place, aren't you? Just one more brick on the load, you feel like it's going to destroy you. Boy, I tell you what, that's when you really appreciate a glass of cold water. Or somebody maybe just understanding. See, there are burdens we can help each other with. But there are some burdens where we must face them ourselves. We can shoulder somebody else's pack. We can lighten their load a bit. In fact, that's what church is all about, helping each other trying to make a difference in each other's life, but trying to make a difference even in our community. But there's some journeys we have to take on our own. Pride can keep us and make us judge each other instead of easing each other's burdens. If you have an illness, there's not much anybody can do about that. I mean, sometimes you go to the doctor and he goes, there's just nothing else I can do. Sitting with somebody, being with somebody can make that a little easier, but that's a burden you gotta, you're ultimately going to have to, to face by yourself. So there's many different burdens, but the point he's trying to make is 
Let's ease it for each other as much as we possibly can. I mean, I'm old-fashioned. I still hold doors open for ladies. You know? Um, I still say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, that's the way I was taught. Sometimes it's, it's a word. It's an honoring. It's just opening a door maybe for somebody. But caring about them enough to show it. Look at verses 6 through 10. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that, that should make us pause for a moment. What have I been sowing with my life? Let's not go all the way back. Let's go back to the last, last six months. What have you been sowing? You've been sowing good stuff or you've been sowing weeds? Have you been saying nice things to nice people? Have you been helping people out? Have you been, are you sowing the things of God? Because you know what? Simple farming says that if you've been sowing those seeds and they get watered, what's going to happen? They're going to come up. And weeds grow through concrete. <laughs> you don't have to do much to have weeds. You can have weeds sprout up almost anywhere and everywhere. I don't know how much money spent a year on people trying to keep weeds out of the yards, but I would imagine it's in the millions, if not billions. So they're going to spring up. We need to quit sowing weed seeds. There's a lot of hate on the internet. There's a lot of hate in, that people are sowing these days. We need to not be those people. We need to show dignity to people. Treat them with respect. Treat them with love. We don't know what they've gone through. This is what Paul is talking about. Okay, so let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So let me ask a question. If your life has been unbearable lately, is that just something that's happening because you're trying to live for Jesus Christ? Or is it happening because you've been doing dumb things? You see, there's a difference in suffering in Jesus because you can lay your head down and know it's for the right reason. But if we suffer from just making stupid decisions, that's on us. Because this gives us all we need to make the right ones and allow the Lord to live through us to make the right ones. I don't know the future, do you? He does. I don't know the financial future of America, but he does. I don't know what the future of my kids or my grandkids is going to be, but he does. I need to stay tied in to him so I know what to do. Even though I may not know I'm being guided at the time. If I'm in the spirit, being walked in, walking in the spirit, being filled with the spirit, he'll guide me. and Help me make the best decisions that I can. So... What's being planted and what's being reaped in your life? Now, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but just look back in the last six months and say, have I caused this? 
If I have, I really can't blame anyone. But there's a solution. There is a solution, but it'll cost you your life. That's called being born again. But if it's just going through hard times, tell somebody. Tell somebody so they can pray for you, so they can help you. Okay. He who sows to the flesh will reap of the flesh corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those in the household of the faith. So what is he saying? Sometimes when you're even planting the good seed, it's a while before they sprout. You know, the, the farmer plants and waters in anticipation of what will be. But if you don't lose heart, you're going to get to see it. You're going to get to see what comes out of it. You're going to get to see the fruit of planting those seeds. So folks, please, 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 from the bottom of my heart, if your life is confusing and hurtful, give it away. Give that to, give that to the Lord. Let, let Him have it. And, and I ask you, would, who would you rather have running your life? The God who knows all things or you? <laughs> Who would you want for your financial investor? You or God? Now, if you look back on your life over the last two or three years and go, man, I've done a bang-up job. I'm amazing. Then you need help. <laughs> but most of us would look back and say, man, I made so many stupid mistakes. So many mistakes. So he talks about being a giving individual. Be a, bl a blessing to your church leadership. Some of you may be visiting. You may not even go to this church. Go home and be a blessing to the church leadership there in any way that you can. All I did last night was keep the rest of the filters from falling on my wife and then picking the other ones up and putting them back up in the closet. That's a small thing. But it was a blessing. I was able to to help she called upon me for help and I was able to help it was a small thing so be a blessing in any way that you possibly can here's something I want you to think about there is no better investment of time or resources than your local church if your church loves Jesus, the pastor loves Jesus, the people love Jesus, and they're doing, they're not perfect, there's no perfect church, and if you join, it won't be perfect anymore. But the point is, there is no perfect church, right? So the thing of it is, if we do see that they're doing their best to follow the Lord, there is no better investment of your time and resources than that local church. Why? Because you can see it. Or you can send your money to a scammer that's promising you stuff that won't happen. Or spend it on frivolous things. Not just time, but money. 
resources, love, everything. It's better, it's better spent where you can see it. Now, here's another thing. If you want to save for retirement, that's a good thing. But which one are you saving for? What? Are you saving for the one that happens when you turn 65? Are you saving for the one that lasts for eternity? That's wise to save for retirement so your kids are not broke taking care of you and you're in the back closet somewhere, you know, because they don't want to deal with you. So it's good to have something in retirement. I'm not saying that that's bad. But if we neglect, if we neglect the one that lasts for eternity, that's foolishness. So if we want something that's going to last for eternity, let's invest in eternity. Things that will go there and precede us. So that when we get there, we'll hear the words, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, now enter into my rest. Boy, that's the kind of retirement I could really, really enjoy. So we can hoard it here, or we can hoard it there, but we can't do both. It's going to have to be one kind of or the other. I'm not saying sell everything you've got and give it to the church. The hippies tried that. We all tried that at one time. Well... I really kind of missed that one a little bit, but, you know, they tried that. They did the whole communal thing, and some of the houses were really successful, some of them were not so successful. That, that's, that's not necessarily what God is saying. He's just saying, live with a heart towards other people. That's what he's saying. All right. But he says, don't give up. The farmer can't give up. He's still got a water. He's still got a plow. He's still got a weed. He's still got to take care of those things if he's going to see the end result of it all. All right, I need to speed it up here. Now he takes, takes the pen from his scribe. So his scribe is probably, they believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was probably his eyes. He had some kind of a infection in his eyes. So he probably had a scribe, but he turns around and he takes the pen from the scribe. And listen to what he says. Now see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, those would compel you to be circumcised, only that they might not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. In other words, why not do both? And that way you won't have the Jews hating you. He's going, no, you can't do that. You'd be missing the point. Somebody's got a phone ringing. If you could turn that off, I'd appreciate it. Verse 13. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. He's saying, we've had the circumcision, right of circumcision for generations. We've had the right of circumcision for thousands of years. And yet, they don't keep the law. They're trying to make you do it, but they're not, they're not keeping the law anyway. They're jumping through that hoop, but their heart's not... With God. So it, it means nothing. In fact, if anything, it showed their lack of faith in the Lord. So he's saying, don't do it. He's going to say, and I'm going to compress this in verses 14 through 18. And let me give you 15. For in Christ Jesus, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision that avails anything but a new creation. Now we can put that a, a, another way. There's nothing in Christianity that you can do that will avail 
anything unless you give your heart to the Lord. That's what he's saying. You can go through all the rites and the rituals, the baptisms and all the isms, but it means absolutely nothing unless you give your heart to Jesus Christ. And I want to close with Psalm 51, starting in verse 1. This is true repentance. Psalm of David. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. And I've done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or I would give it. And you do not delight in the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. That's what he wants. Just a broken heart. Not broken forever, just broken in our sinful nature. And admit we can't do it without him. So he pronounces peace and joy. Uh, the grace of God is pronounced upon the people. So Paul's basically saying to those who are criticizing, criticizing him, show me your scars. Show me where you've suffered for Jesus because I can show you mine. Let's pray. Father, I just pray Ray, if that's yours, would you please shut it off, or whosoever that is? Father, I pray that you would... Uh, I, see, I see new faces here, Lord, and I just pray that they're okay. I pray that their marriages are good. I pray that their families are good. 
If you're here this morning and you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you might do so this morning. Is there anybody here this morning that would say, I, I need the Lord? And uh, I want to give him my heart this morning. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I would be honored to pray with you if God's brought you to that place. Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise your hand if God's doing that work in you. God bless you. That's, uh, I know it sounds funny, but that's, that's the most manly thing a guy can do. It's the most womanly thing a man can do, a woman can do, and that's giving their heart, admitting, hey, I can't do this without God. Anybody else? Before I pray for these, I see your hand. Anyone else? I, I, I'm not trying to drag it on. I just don't want to miss anyone. Yes, I see your hand. Anybody here this morning that would say, I'm a Christian, but I've been really far away from God? Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else that would say, I've fallen away from God and I need to come home? I'm the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. Just slip that up so I can see it. Father, I thank you for those who raised their hand and said, uh, I want you. I need you as my Lord and my Savior. May they know and understand that it's just a prayer away. Lord, I've blown it, and I need you, and I want you as my Lord, my God, my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart, because today I know I'm your son or your daughter. And for those who have slipped away, Father, may they know and understand that you love them. You have always loved them. You will always love them. In fact, you love the world, but not everybody will love you back. But for those who have been um, stranded, those who've been out and away from the Father, Lord, I pray that you'd let them know that you love them and that they would know and understand that you welcome us back with open arms. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And uh, thank you for all that you do and have done in our life. And thank you so much, Father, for the word that we have to stand in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.